You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Take a seat. God bless you. Great to have you here with us this morning on this uh, really, you know, exciting day, important day. The dedication of a child's always exciting and important. You guys can take a seat. Great job. Why don't we give them a hand, eh? Fantastic. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, guys. And uh, that's brilliant. And so, look, if uh, you're a guest with us this morning, if you're here, you're kind of in at the, uh, the end of the movie. We've been doing a series for the month of July called Lost. And the idea behind the dollar sign Lost there is that uh, statistics tell us today in this nation that almost 50% of households are financially in stress. In other words, they're lost. And uh, I did on the... The first week of the series, I actually gave some markers to help determine people's lostness because uh, the sooner you recognize that you're not on course, the better. The sooner you think you might be lost, the greater the chance of recovery. And so we put them out there in the first week. You can get them on the podcast. That's the lost week uh, one. Uh, But if you're a Christian here this morning, we've said this a couple of times, if you're a Christian, There is no excuse for being lost simply because Jesus spoke more about finance than any other subject. And there was a very important reason why. It's not because God wants your money, all right? If God wanted it, he could take it. How many know that if the government wants your money, they can take it and God's more powerful than the government? Uh, That wasn't, wasn't the reason for him to speak on this subject. The reason was this. He draws the truth that your heart and your hip pocket are inexplicably joined, right? There is this connection between your finances and your heart, and your heart was made for God, and God wants your heart, and he knew this. He knew that if your finances were confused, your heart would be confused. He knew that wherever your finances went, that would be the direction, that would be the destination of your heart, And he understood that if it was all over the place, if your finances were all over the place, then your heart would be all over the place as well. This morning, in just a moment, I'm going to teach you four practices that I'm going to ask each of you to put into place. This is real, real practical, okay? So you've come in on the so what end moment of the series. This is so what. Well, as a result of all of that teaching... What are we supposed to do, okay? So uh, if you struggle with anything, by all means, go back and listen to the teaching. If you don't, just take the principles and put them into practice. I believe they will change your life. I'm going to give you in a moment four things to do, four practices to put into your life that will change your life. This won't be a sermon, hopefully, in four or five weeks' time, you think, oh, that was really good. I don't remember what he said, but I think it was okay. Uh, hopefully, in four or five weeks' time or four or five months' time or four or five years' time, you'll be able to go, this is what he said because this is what I do. I remember it. And uh, we're going to hear from a lady who heard it 10 years ago who came to me three weeks ago and told me what I said 10 years ago. Now, she thought it was six years ago, but I have the record of the notes, so I know exactly how long ago it was. It's all in my Dropbox. (laughs) So she remembered 10 years ago, remembered this sermon from a decade ago. 
So if you can think about something was said 10 years ago, you can still remember what it was. It significantly has affected your life. We're going to hear from Erin in just a moment. We're going to listen to, uh, she's going to tell you what they were and how they've affected her life. And then I'm going to explain them in, in just a moment. But before we do, before we do, let me ask you this question. Why would anybody take their financial cues, their financial directions from a world system that wants nothing but to have you in financial bondage? Uh, this world system wants you to be financially lost. I believe God loves us, and I believe this matters to God. Uh, that's why he spoke about it so often. And our Heavenly Father doesn't want anything from you. He wants everything for you. This is what we need to understand. Whenever God puts something, his finger on something in our life, it's not to take it from us, but it's to lead us into something greater and more profound than our previous experience has afforded or allowed us. Proverbs 28, 26 says this, Those who trust their own insight are foolish, but anybody who walks in wisdom is safe. Foolishness will inevitably lead you to this question. How can I get out of here? Have you ever asked that question? How do I get out of here? How do I get out of this relationship? How do I get out of this circumstance? How do I get out of this situation? What leads you to that moment is most, uh, most times are a series of foolish decisions. But wisdom, on the other hand, will always guide you and lead you to safety, will always guide you and lead you to a broad land. And so this morning, we're going to um, take some cues from wisdom. Before we do, we're going to hear from the lovely Erin. So uh, put your eyes to the screen. And, uh, Good morning, everyone. My name's Erin Cooper. I've been part of this church for many years under the teaching of, of Pastor John. And uh, I'm just here to share what I have learned from my experiences from his messages on finance. You're doing a series on finances, practical health, uh, how to manage money, how mm -hmm. to provide and, and prepare. So um, the first thing I did after your message was go out and buy a cash book. Two columns, income on one side, expenditure on the other side, and I started journaling, tracking. And you gave four very important points. The first one was choose the percentage of your income and live on it. And I thought, oh, that's a challenge for a start. <laughs> and there was you were on a pension at this stage? I was on, already on a pension. Yeah. The next one was a little bit harder. Number two is track your spending. So therefore the cash flow came in. I was recording my, my payments, mm -hmm. my, the services, insurance, and car, and, mm -hmm. and, and all the next expenditure was locked down so I could look at it and think it's done. Right. Number three is get rid of dumb debt. Oh, I think that's self-explanatory. Right. A lot of us tend to, and, and me included, uh, would buy things that were really out of my debt, sort of pay them off and borrow money. And, and the fourth one was tithe. Right. Oh, I'd always been a tither, but now I was tithing, saving. And live on the rest. Right. 
I go on holidays, I can uh, spend on my grandchildren, I have money that fits all the boxes. Well, I seem to have more money because right. it was being managed properly right. and I had control of it. Right. Um, it wasn't random spending or a random holiday or clothing or whatever was needed. Yeah, you know, right. The money was there mm -hmm. and budgeted for so that when big bills came in, as I do, a few times a year, mm -hmm. I could pay them straight away. which was dead free. I can say I've lived that, that principle since right. I first heard it all those years ago. I'm going to work through those four principles that Erin has just outlined for us that she said since she's put this into practice, she's never had so much money uh, for the last decade. So this is, this, as I said, this could change your life. So write these things down. Please don't just think, oh, well, that was interesting. Uh, go, them, go home, put them into practice and see how we go. The first thing she said was, choose a percentage of your income and live off it. Everybody in this room lives off a percentage of their income. You either choose it or it chooses you. Uh, they tell me that the average Aussie lives off something like 105% of their income. Uh, obviously, if that's what you do, then it's not too long before you're lost. Uh, so what I'm challenging you to do today is you choose what percentage of your income you want to live by and don't let the culture, don't let envy, don't let greed decide or bad habits decide what that percentage will be. You choose it and then you stick by it. It's more fun, folks, listen to me here, it's more fun to drive past a house and know that you could afford to buy it but you choose not to than to live in a place that you struggle to pay the rent or pay the mortgage week in, week out. I've actually heard of people who have to take their furniture inside from outside at night so they have some place to sit because they are so hawked, they are in such deep debt, they can't put furniture on the inside of their house. All I'm simply saying to you is this, drop your lifestyle if you can and increase your income to create a gap. See, listen, if your income is here and your expenditure is here, there is a gap. You know what we call that gap? That gap has a name. That gap we call peace. <laughs> That's called peace, right? Now, how many know that Jesus is the Prince of Peace? That's where he lives. <laughs> he lives where there is peace. Peace, and there is a, it's peace when you have a gap between what's coming in and what's going out. So all I'm saying to you is choose the, the amount of space you want Jesus to live in. Choose the percentage, not that you give, choose the percentage that you live on. How many know some time ago this nation chose a percentage to live on below its income we hit a global financial crisis and, and we were the, in terms of Western nations, we were the best positioned Western nation in the world. I can take you back to a fellow by the name of Joseph in the nation of Egypt as recorded in the book of Exodus. And he structured the, the, um, uh, that nation to live below its income for seven years. And then it was the seven years of, of drought. And what happened was the world came to Joseph's feet 
because he applied wisdom and chose to live on a percentage of his income. Now, I'm going to get right in your face today, so please don't get offended. But if you're young here today, if you're still living at home, I'm going to challenge you to choose 50%. Go hard. Tell yourself, I'm only earning 50% of what I actually earn. If you can do this, you can start to develop habits of living where you're not going to be affected by the rest of the world. I've never, and then later on you get married, I've never had a couple come to me and say, Pastor, we're having troubles in our marriage. My wife just won't spend the money. You know, we go down to the shopping center and I try, no, she just won't go and buy that new dress. She just won't go and buy those new shoes. I don't know what to do with her. She's not spending enough money. I have never in 35 years had anybody ever come to me with that problem. I have had the opposite. I've had the opposite problem. That we're struggling to make ends meet, you know, we're wasting money, etc., and so forth. So what do you do? I'll tell you what you do. You develop the discipline on percentage living whilst you're still at home. Then when you leave home, you can take that percentage giving concept or mindset into your later life. One of the big, big lies that you're trying to tell yourself right now is this. I'll do that when I earn more. (laughs) Once my income goes up, Then I'll start living on a percentage of it. Liar, liar, pants on fire. I tell you, we are creatures of habit. You develop that habit now, that will be the habit for the rest of your life. And as your income goes up, your expenditure will go up. It doesn't matter. The amounts don't matter. What matters is the percentage. If you want to grab wisdom and bring wisdom into your life, Choose the percentage of your income that you're going to live on. And if, what, what, however you know, low you can go, that, that percentage the better. And then make that the process for the rest of your life. Percentage living was the first thing Erin spoke about. The second thing she spoke about was paper trail spending. It was the little cash book concept, the paper trail spending. The phrase, it seems to me, just, just not applies when it comes to money. It doesn't work. You can't say to me, well, it seems to me we're doing all right. <laughs> that might work when it comes to relationships. That might work when it comes to people. That might work when it comes to love. You know, well, it seems to me that she's a little cold, you know. <laughs> it seems to me that she's a little upset. <laughs> when it comes to people, it seems to me, yeah, that, 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 that can work. But when it comes to finance something tangible, something clear, you have to know and be precise. Um, could you imagine if you went to your superannuation um, policy and you rang your superannuation people and you said, oh, uh, where's my superannuation? Uh, you know, what, how much do I have in super? And they said to you, oh, we're not real sure. <laughs> Somewhere around that amount... <laughs> Somewhere in that vicinity, but you're all right. There's plenty there. What would you say to them if they said that to you? (laughs) You'd be saying, yeah, goodbye, sir. (laughs) Hello, somebody else. As a matter of fact, they can't do that. As a matter of fact, the Australian government will not let 
your superannuation uh, organ, uh, uh, company treat your money like that, neither will you. Um, but some people treat their personal finance like that, and the reason they do is this, I believe, or well, there are a number of reasons, but one reason would be they don't really understand what personal finance is about. You don't realize that your personal finance, it's not just a tithe that's the Lord's, 100% is the Lord's. <laughs> the whole lot of it belongs to God. Everything I have comes from God. And so I'm managing it. I'm stewarding it for God. And could you imagine? How do you think God feels when we steward it in such a way we go, oh, I don't really know. You know, I don't really know how much I spend. I'm not really sure. It seems like the bank balance is there. I think it's okay. When we understand that I am a manager on God's behalf, in the same way that your superannuation um, company or managers, they are managers on your behalf. They have to give an account to you of exactly where things are at or you get rid of them. It's not good enough. Near enough isn't good enough, is it, when it comes to your superannuation? Because that's your money, someone else is managing it, and you want to know exactly where it's at. Well, I want to draw that thought, that analogy, and take it over to God and the stuff that you have. And I want you to understand that you are managing this on behalf of God. Everything that you have has been graced to you by God. And you've got to manage it wisely. I've never met a person who's ever come to me and said, I started tracking my spending well, that was a bad idea. I wish I never did that. <laughs> never. Um, Aaron said, hey, it helped, and it will help you. You keep every receipt, even if you pay all your bills out of the bank account, you keep every receipt. And, and I'll, I challenge you to do it for three months. If you think this is too hard, try it for the next 13 weeks. Sit down and go, okay, how's it going? How am I coming? Keep every receipt so that you know exactly where God's money has gone because it's not yours. It's God's, and you need to give an account for it. How many know that exercise has its benefits? If you exercise a little bit, you experience great physical benefit from a small amount of exercise. One of my objectives that I, I, I put to you four weeks ago or so when we started this series was I said, I want you to feel freedom financial freedom because so many people are in financial bondage i want you to be financially free this is something i want for you let me tell you something folks if you want to be free to play the piano you want to be free to get on that and 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 you know uh bang out your, your favorite song or worship god on those keys or or you know just just play the music that's really important to you for you to be free to play the piano, what have you got to do first? Practice. You've got to put the hard work in. You've got to know what the keys are for and you've got to understand the thing. Here's my point. You see, before you experience freedom, you must institute discipline. Freedom is always on the other side of discipline. If you don't believe me, folks, I mean, let's take the biblical story. God leads them out of Egypt and they spend 40 years developing discipline in the desert before, in the wilderness, before they enter the freedom of the promised land. 
If you want the freedom to play sport, you have to do the discipline of training, right? Freedom always exists on the other side of discipline. If that's true in every area of life, why is it so hard to get people to exercise discipline in their finance and then whinge about the fact that they don't have freedom? It just doesn't make any sense, does it? So that's why I'm challenging everybody in the room to do exactly what Erin did 10 years ago. Go and buy a book and track every income and expenditure item in your life so you know where you are at. Let's face it, folks. If you're a business, nothing less is acceptable and you wouldn't know how to respond to threats or to opportunities unless you knew exactly where you were. You want freedom? You want financial freedom? You think financial freedom is afforded by winning the lottery. Don't put your hand up if you've ever thought that because statistics will show us that's not true. Statistics will show us the majority of people who get a large amount of money kind of out of left field like they win the lotto finish up in more trouble than they started. Statistics prove this. If you want financial freedom, if you want any kind of freedom, all freedom exists on the other side of discipline. Go and buy the book that Aaron did and start developing financial habits, right? You put it into practice now and then freedom will be afforded to you on the other side. Aaron said percentage living, choose a percent and stick to it. Paper trail spending. The third one, she said, get rid of dumb debt, personal debt reduction. Proverbs 22, 7, the rich rules over the poor, the borrower, borrower is the servant of the lender. Buy dumb debt, get rid of personal debt. I'm not talking about mortgages or, or debts that you have against capital increasing assets. I'm not talking about business debt. I'm not qualified to talk about that. I'm talking about consumer debt. I'm talking about credit card debt. I'm talking about bills that you can't pay, uh, debts that have interest rates that, are, that are, are, are exorbitant. That is wasting God's money. You know, the brother of Jesus made this incredibly profound statement, and I, I want to apply it here, and I want you to take it and do something about this. He said, confess your faults one for another, pray one for another that you may be healed. The reason why Jenny Craig and the reason why um, uh, Weight Watchers and the like are so successful is because there's a power in accountability. Confess your faults one for another. I want to suggest to you this morning, if you're in this room and you have um, credit card debt, right? you can't clear your credit cards at the end of the month because you've got all this debt. That's a fault. And you need to confess that to somebody. And then you need to pray that that can be overcome. Now, some of you are thinking right now, oh, that's personal. That's my business. No business of yours to talk to me like this. Who do you think you are? Okay, I accept that, but here's the truth. It's not personal. Everybody in the financial institution, right, where your credit card is linked to has access to your information, and they all know how much debt you're in. <laughs> And the funny thing is, you ring them up, right? And you go, hello, it's John. And what do they say? John who? Oh, it's John Hunt. 
What's your mother's maiden name? Well, what's it to you? You know? <laughs> you gotta, you got to identify yourself. Why? Because they don't. I am nothing more than a number. I am nothing more than a meal ticket. Those people don't love me. They don't pray for me. They're not concerned about me. All they want is what they can suck out of me for themselves. And there are people who love me. There are people who I ring up and I don't even have to say who my name is. They just say, G'day, John, because it comes up on their phone. <laughs> I haven't got to say, Cadman, you know, <laughs> my mother's maiden name. <laughs> and they just know where, because they love me. They're on my side. And here's the funny thing. Why do we let total strangers to whom we are nothing more than a dehumanized number know all about this stuff in our life Do we keep it from the people who want the best for us and who love us? What is going on in here? Confess your faults one or another. Find somebody who loves you and who is concerned for you and say, listen, I got this credit card debt. It's killing me. I know that. Paying interest, it's madness. I've got a plan. Hold me accountable to it. Let's pray over it. And you watch God get involved in that process. You will see, man, take this to the bank. You will see miracles. If, if you're in that kind of debt, right, that kind of debt is, is stifling, it's holding you back, it's in bondage, it's, it's killing you, you need to tell somebody, you need to come up with a plan, that person holds you accountable, they pray we get God in the mix, and you watch deliverance will come your way. This is honoring God, folks, in a very practical sense. This will help your life. This matters. God is concerned for it. If you, if you don't believe me, there was a woman caught in adultery. She was brought before Jesus, and Jesus said, I don't condemn you, go and sin no more. There were two people who lied about their money, Ananias and Sapphira. They were brought in the church. They didn't make it out alive. <laughs> this matters, folks. Don't think this doesn't matter. This matters. And you can take these things away, you can put them to practice, and they will increase your life. Um, Aaron wrote down something which wasn't exactly what I said, but it was what she heard, and that's okay, because <laughs> that's always what happens. People come to me all the time and say, oh, you know, you said this, this really helped me. I think I never said that, but that's what you heard, so that's all good. <laughs> um, the whole idea of what I did say, which she did write down there, was give, save, live on the rest. The fourth point is predetermined giving, predetermined giving. Now, she mentioned tithing, and that's fine. But it's not just about tithing, it's about predetermined giving. It's about de de determining before you get the money how much of that money you're going to give. You don't treat God like a dog and give him the leftovers, right? <laughs> what you do is before the money comes in, you say, okay, I'm going to live off that much. I'm going to give this much and I'm going to save that much. And we, you've all heard me say this before. Give, save, live on the rest. Give, save, live on the rest. What have I got to do? Slap you or something? Give, save, live on the rest. <laughs> I mean, just start that. Just start that. Um, the difference between successful people and, and everybody else in life is one word. 
The truly, I'm not talking about famous people. I'm talking about people who are truly successful in life. It's one word, and it's sacrifice. Every successful person that you've ever seen has learnt that, that, there is, that there is a useful aspect to postponing pleasure. <laughs> the postponed pleasure only increases the pleasure later. The more you can postpone it, the greater the pleasure down the track that you will enjoy. I mean, it's, it's called, again, it's, that's actually a working definition of dis- discipline, delay gratification. Delayed gratification, if you can put off pleasure now to later, the, the pleasure later is going to be increased and more profound. Take that to the bank. Sacrifice is the way of growth. Um, you could almost choose any biblical character, but let me take for the sake of argument Abraham. You follow the journey of Abraham. And Abraham, he goes from one place, he makes a sacrifice under the Lord. God leads him to another place, he makes a sacrifice to the Lord. He, and up, his whole life is this. It's the next place, there's a sacrifice to the Lord. Until finally, in Abraham's journey, right? You, you, can, you can almost map his life. It goes up, 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 up. Until the pinnacle, God says to him, sacrifice Isaac, your only son and your heir. The child that was born to him by miracle. He was well into his 90s when that child was born. It was a miracle, make no mistake. And God gave it to him so that it would be there to receive his, uh, his inheritance, to, to continue on his, his line. And, and, and God says this, take the, the, I mean, think about this. Think about, we have children, you know, many people in this room have children, but if you don't have children, then you have friends, you have parents or some, someone who's close to you who means a lot to you, and God says, I want you to kill them. Kill the very thing you love. Can you comprehend that? It just sounds so draconian, doesn't it? I mean, just, now, we know that this was a test, and we know that Abraham didn't kill Isaac, and we know that in the end... God provided a, a, a ram and, and uh, Abraham again sacrificed, but not his, his son. But what's going on here? Why is God so demanding? <laughs> well, if you don't believe in God, let me put it another way. Why is life so demanding? <laughs> Why does life demand so much of me? I've got to sacrifice the thing that is most precious and dearest and costly to my soul. My only son, Isaac. Because this is a metaphor for life, folks. I mean, I mean, you may never put a living child on some kind of altar. You may never do that, literally. I hope you don't. But it's a metaphor for life. Life will demand sacrifice from you. And what do you do when you face it? That's the question. Well, of course, Abraham put the kid on the altar and was about to... Um, about to uh, say goodnight, about to kill him, when God intervenes. But you see, here's the, here's the principle, and this is the principle in every, every, every echelon of life. The closer the thing you sacrifice is to your heart, the greater the increase in your tomorrow. Every time, every time. God sacrificed his only begotten son, and he inherited all mankind. Jesus went to the cross, And what did he get? A name that's above every other name. Folks, there's something here. 
There, there, is, there is, there, there is a, uh, an insight into life right here. There is some wisdom right here. See, if the world that you see right now is not the world that you want, then it's time to get rid of some of your presumptions, some of the values that have caused you to arrive where you are. In fact, it might even be time to sacrifice. It might even be time to sacrifice the way to bring heaven to this earth. The way to bring heaven into your tomorrow is to sacrifice today. We see it time and time again. Whichever character is recorded in this thing we call the Bible, you watch the pathway of their life in every time. The pathway, the trajectory up is, follow, is preceded by sacrifice. And as I said, the penultimate uh, example the exemplar himself is Jesus the cross and the resurrection and the name that's above every other name but you, you can you can you can microcosm that you can look at any uh, small um, uh, person and their small contribution to the overall uh, story of, of redemption and you can see the same thing time and time again so so what what are we going to do remember today is all about practical application Today, it's not just a sermon. You go home and you thought, oh, that encouraged me. Today is a day when you write things down and you say, okay, this is the way we're now going to live. We're going to choose a percentage. What do you think it should be, darling? Let's go for 50%. I don't know what it could be. <laughs> the lower the percentage, remember, the more peace, the more peace. That's where Jesus lives. He's the Prince of Peace. What am I going to do? We're going to get a book and we're going to track our spending for the next three months. Every cup of coffee is going to be recorded and we're going to be able to a report. This says we spent this much on coffee. We spent this much on takeaway food. We spent this much on fuel. This much, you will know. Right? How many coffees do you have a day? Oh, I don't know, three or four. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> now you'll know. If you're paying for them, you'll know because you'll have the record. You'll know exactly where things are. Freedom's on the other side of discipline. Remember, freedom's on the other side of discipline. So you'll choose the percentage. You'll track, you'll track the spending. You'll talk to someone and you'll get rid of dumb debt. If you're carrying debt, if, you, if what you owe is more than what the value is, that's dumb debt. You've got to get rid of it. You've got to talk to someone. You've got to come up with a plan. You've got to hold yourself accountable, and God will help you. God will bring you into deliverance of debt. Make no mistake, God is interested in this. And then sacrifice, which is the way always of increase. I want you to take these cards. This is our vision offering. See, God asks for the first fruits. He asks for the finest cut. He, he, he asks for the first. All the way through, it was always the firstborn, the first. Um, we, we are... We are, we, every year we take a, a vision offering that we spend to increase you know, the, um, uh, the capacity of our church. And last year we put in a whole new system, but we put the, 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 the groundwork in for it. We've got to put some other things in uh, to, to really make it work. Um, there's a whole bunch of things that we're going to be doing. We're going to be uh, upgrading Manchester and Hannah's house, which is a home that we run for homeless young people. 
Um, we're going to be working on our Collingwood Park location and trying to create more of an atmosphere down there. And, and it gets very cold in that place in winter. It gets freezing cold because it's a huge school hall. We're going to try to bring some heaters in. and We've got a whole bunch of stuff that we're going to be doing uh, with the finance that we raise from our vision offering. But what I'm going to ask you to do, if you can take these cards... Uh, I'm going to address them for just a moment and then we're going to sing and we're going to do something together. We're going to do something that we've never done before. On this card, you're just going to say that, okay, this is, this is my gift. Now, you don't have to, the, the, the um, uh, capacity for your credit card is there if you want to use it. Don't go into credit card debt to do this. Um, but if you pay it off at the end of the month, who cares, right? You get the frequent flyer points, right? <laughs> That's a good idea. If you can do that, you're disciplined enough. I've had something like, ooh, probably $20,000 worth of overseas flights from it. So it does work. <laughs> if you can be disciplined, it does work. Um, then that's probably over the last 20 years. Uh, but uh, uh, I'm going to give a one-time gift and just write out what that gift will be. In a moment, uh, we can bring those, um, those baskets out. We're going to worship God. We're going to come out one row at a time. We'll, start, we'll do the, the, um, the aeroplane system. You know, the first row goes first, followed by the second row, followed by the third row. And I'm going to invite you to come out and I'm going to invite you to take this, my contribution and put it into this basket. This will be the offering today. Um, and then I'm going to ask you to write on this, this card. Now the question is on this card. So you can tear it in half. This is why I give. Put the question on top of the card like that and write the answer. If you don't have a pen, grab the pen from the person next to you because they do because there's enough pens around to cover everybody, right? So just write, this is why I give. Put that there. When you come out, put that there and then put that on the board. Uh, just using a little peg. Now, if we run out of pegs, that's okay. Just put it on the table, all right? And we'll get some more pegs and, and we'll fin finish it later. The reason we're going to do this is because we want to determine exactly what it is you're believing for in this breakthrough contribution we're believing this morning for a breakthrough in your life right sacrifice is always always the thing that happens just before increase comes it's the pathway of increase so one of my objectives if I go back to the first week was that you'd have an experience this wouldn't just be theology this just wouldn't be stuff that you heard right that you'd be able to look and go man I did this how did that happen that was God this thing opened up, I couldn't believe it. I could get many, many, many people up to talk about this. A friend said, oh, we could talk about it till the cows come home. Uh, we've been doing this for 40 years. And we've seen breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough in our family, uh, in, our, in the relationships in our family. We've seen breakthrough. If you write down, I'm leaving for a breakthrough. My son's salvation and my daughter's salvation and my father, my, my mother's salvation. Write that down. Put it on the board. We're going to pray for it. Maybe you're believing for a breakthrough in your own financial uh, situation. There's nothing to put names on it. Just a breakthrough in my finances. Write that down. Put it on the prayer board here. We're going to pray for it. And then put the amount. You don't have to put it. There's no names. So you put a blank card in there. I'm not going to know. No one's going to know. All right. This is between you and God. You ask God what you should do. Don't, don't, um, don't respond to me. Respond to God. So we're going to give you a moment to do that. Um, just take that pen and take that card and fill that out. Success, uh, sacrifice is always the way of success. If you don't believe me, ask Abraham. 
If you don't believe Abraham, ask Mary, the mother of Jesus. Ask Jesus. Or if you can't get hold of Mary, Jesus, or Abraham, ask Aaron. Because <laughs> she's here this morning. <laughs> We're constantly bombarded by what we don't have. And what we want eventually becomes what we need. <laughs> I don't just want it anymore. I need it. No longer now do I need it. I'm doing crazy stuff to get it. Percentage living. Choose a percentage that you're going to live off for the rest of your life, no matter how great your income comes. Say, God, I don't care how much I earn, God. This is going to be what I live on. So you can, you can do whatever you like with my income. You can send it through the roof. It won't matter, God. I'm going to live off this. God looks at that and says, I'm going to, I can trust that. See, these are, these are decisions that prove your trust before God. Um, paper trail spending. I'm, I'm, I'm tracking this. This is, this is serious because this is God's. I've got rid of stupid debt. I've got rid of stuff that's just holding me down. And, and this is the percentage I'm going to give. And I've chosen that percentage before the money's come in. Predetermined giving. Percentage living, paper trail spending, personal debt reduction. Predetermined giving. Um, I encourage you. I encourage you. I have three daughters. My three daughters know this. I now have four grandchildren. They don't know it <laughs> because they're like too, too young. They're, they're still infants. But by the time they're adolescents, trust me, they'll know it. <laughs> I hold my three children accountable to this process. This is not just something that I speak. This is something that I've lived for 40 years. I've seen incredible blessing. I, you know, if I start talking about it, I, you know, it might get a little awkward. <laughs> But that's how, that's how incredibly blessed I am. I, I am so ridiculously blessed, it's almost awkward. <laughs> and, and it comes back to this. It comes back to this. I have reproduced this in my three children. And, and, and I hope to reproduce it into my grandchildren. I hope to reproduce it into every person here today. And hopefully you can reproduce it into your lineage. Don't just go home and think, oh, that was an interesting message. Go home, make the decisions, put this into practice. And like Aaron, come to me in the next 10 years when I speak this. And so here's your notes from 10 years ago. The reason I remember it is because I did it. And in 10 years time, the lovely Aaron may not be there, but someone else just as beautiful will be. <laughs> why, don't we, why don't we stand and why don't we pray? So, Father, this morning, as we as a congregation of people, as individuals before you as well, Lord, in this moment of increase and expansion, not just for the church and its capacities, but, Lord, for me and for my house, Lord, I pray for miracles. Lord, I pray that you put yourself into people's living expenses into their lives in such a way that each person goes, wow, only God, only God. As we imply wisdom to this incredibly important area of our life, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 